recording this at 2 p.m. on November 6th. So by the time you hear this, Elon Musk will have purchased the Ottawa Senators for $18 billion and started charging the players $8 per game to have names on the back of their jerseys. Welcome to the Battle of Alberta podcast, the hockey show that talks more about other teams' jerseys than they do about the actual teams that they cheer for. I'm Darren Plett, the Flames fan, and with me is Stuart Jones, the Oilers fan. I don't know. I, I feel like talking about other teams' jerseys is significantly less depressing than talking about our own teams, and that's why we do it. Yeah, we we really strive to make this show fun and entertaining, and uh maybe we talk a little bit about what the title represents <laughs> yeah <laughs> maybe we shouldn't have named the podcast so hastily we should have got a season or two into this before we actually like named it i feel like the battle of alberta podcast gets a little bit more attention than two random guys just bitch about jerseys <laughs> <laughs> talk, talk about things they hate a lot yeah also, another poor title would be two random guys that do good predictions because we don't really do good predictions. Um, <laughs> I, I was busy calculating the numbers before we got on here and I, I didn't calculate yours. So I'm curious to hear how yours turned out because I have the memory of like a butterfly. So, I mean, you could have nailed them both for all I know. What do the, <laughs> what do the predictions look like? Well, I guess we'll we'll start with the Oilers because I'm sure that's what you're itching to talk about. Oh um, yeah, always. <laughs> yeah, I I had them going five and four through the regular season games in October, and you had them going six and three. And as I'm sure you already know, they went six three and zero. Oh, so I was close, but that will be completely overshadowed by the fact that you were dead on. <laughs> yeah, good job on being close, Stu. Nice work. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> And last episode, I was pretty sure that wasn't going to happen because I think they had to win three in a row to get to six and three. And yeah. uh, they they did that. Weirdly. Yeah, last time we recorded, they were two, three and oh, so uh, they had they, to win four in a row. They yeah, they in fact won four in a row. I guess that's makes sense. I not looking at the schedule, but based on what they were last time we recorded, what they are now, <laughs> that makes logical sense to me. All right. Well, I. Wasn't expecting that, even though I predicted that. I was expecting more <laughs> of a balanced 6-3-0 rather than a... Right. Well, I should have... Ex you know, the Oilers are extremely streaky, so why yeah. did I... You know, the four in a row seems right on brand, and then they I think they've lost the last two pretty badly, so it's... You yeah, know, we're not talking about out. that yet, so we're no, still talking about October. <laughs> Let's well, have like a moment of hope. <laughs> the Flames had a pretty good October, considering we're not talking about November. Uh, I picked the Flames to go two and five because I have lots of faith in my team uh, with two overtime losses because I guess that means you also picked two and five. I did indeed, and I, I thought they would only get one overtime loss out of that for our tiebreaker. <laughs> uh, turns out they went five and two. They they did the thing where it's the exact reverse of what we picked, which I'm totally okay with. Oh, oh, I thought um, we were supposed to be predicting how many losses they had. That's why. So I got it right. Yeah. Oh, uh, losses always go first. Hey, that is well, a very Oilers mentality. Only, <laughs> only when you're talking about the other team. See, with the Oilers, I predict oh. the number of wins, but with the Flames, I predict the number of losses, right? I was totally, no, that's not true at all. I had no idea. It's a pretty that good save though. Happen. I mean, I, I would buy that. <laughs> 
Yeah, except we've been doing this for how long and I've never claimed that. <laughs> well, you got to start sometimes, dude. <laughs> so neither of us really uh, got anywhere close to that one. I don't know if you want to if you want to get real specific. I guess you were technically closer because I don't think the Flames had any overtime losses. So. <laughs> yeah, five two and zero, oh, so no overtime losses but, by the uh, slimmest of margins. Yeah, you, I really don't think victory? I can claim a victory on that one. So. We'll just put that down as a draw on the uh, on the document. We definitely have keeping track of this kind of thing. Definitely. Well, I guess we do have to talk a little bit about November because that is freshest in mind. Uh, I guess I can start with the Flames because they got off to the nice November start. They won three in a row and it was mind blowing that the Flames did anything at the beginning of the year. And uh, since then, they've looked shaky, to say the least. Um, they've lost a few in a row, and it's been hard, genuinely hard to watch. <laughs> they look completely lost. Uh, they're losing defensemen to injuries left and right. Uh, the defensemen that are filling in look like they've never played defense in their lives, which is kind of concerning. Um, overall, I'm not super concerned about the Flames in the long run, but right now it's pretty frustrating to watch them uh, have well, like the players themselves and Sutter have said that the problem is zero energy, and I definitely see that from some players. But I think the other problem that they're not really talking about is just not really connecting with each other, not a lot of chemistry yet. And I think the first three games were pretty misleading because they were essentially Nazem Kadri going supernova and deciding that he wanted to win a bunch of games. <laughs> And he's been fine. He's been pretty good since then, probably still their best player. But uh, now that other teams are settling in and it's less pond hockey, the Flames are looking a little bit lost. And people are starting to get on the top line again. You know, Huberdeau's not scoring or setting up goals five on five, et cetera, et cetera. I don't know where I've heard that before in regards to the Flames, <laughs> poor five on five play. But, you know, even though it's poor chemistry, I'm, I'm, th I'm thinking it'll resolve itself. Eventually, that's just what happens when you stick a bunch of brand new elite players on a team. <laughs> it's like, mm -hmm. uh, I think that's one of the reasons I thought they were going to get off to a poor start and they didn't. And I was surprised, but it's kind of looking that way right now. And also the team has been saying that they really need to go on a road trip, which is kind of a funny thing to hear. I guess that's a group bonding experience or something is I guess. what I'm reading into that. Uh, I'm kind of skeptical that a road trip will just suddenly fix everything but you know because when they're on the road and they're losing a lot they'll see say they need to get home to play in front of the fans or whatever so it's just they're kind of blaming it on wherever they're not but you know if if a road trip if a few steak dinners and mini golfing before a game or something is what fixes the team <laughs> then i'm all for it so I, i'm interested to see what they do on the upcoming road trip um i don't know if you've kept up with anything flamesy or have any interesting input into what they've been looking like lately? Uh, no, nothing in addition to what you said, but I, I totally get it, as much as that sounds like uh, a weird thing to say, like, Oh, we really need a road trip. I do get that. If, if what they're suffering from is, is lack of chemistry, they just haven't gotten to know each other yet. Like, obviously, a lot of that is like you haven't got to know their play style and, and how they are on the ice. So yeah. being out on the road, having steak dinners, 
playing mini golf, you're not really going to learn, okay, Kadri does a lot of this that I can, you know, play <laughs> off of. You don't learn that that way. But at the same time, like we, I think we've talked about this before, pretty much everyone in hockey or in sports, they do best when they're just, when they're having fun, right? The, yeah. The commentators always talk about, he's, you know, gripping the stick too tight. He's trying too hard. It's just not going well for him. So I totally do buy that some sort of road trip and camaraderie with the guys and just getting to know each other, having more fun together can lead to better on ice chemistry as counterintuitive as that may sound. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm ready to eat my words when they go on the road and just completely grab the bed. But (laughs) (laughs) I I could see that as possibly helping, not guaranteeing it's not going to fix all your problems by any stretch, but it might make a difference. Yeah, and like the parts are there. It's it's still a good team with a lot of good players. The defense thing is concerning, but I'm I'm willing to wait it out. Uh, even even though they're struggling and losing, they still lost in overtime to a super hot Devils team. Like they're not getting blown out, so that's that's good. And <laughs> when they say they go on the road to build chemistry, uh, I'm just envisioning like Huberto and Lindholm in a hotel room, just laying on their beds, like staring at the ceiling and. Uber was like, hey, man, it just like really bugged me the other day when you just like went into the corner and I was wide open for that pass. and You, you didn't hit me. You just sent it back up to the point. And Lindholm's like, I was thinking about that, too, man. You know, I'm sorry. I just I, I just missing Johnny and, and Matt, you know, really. And then they like talk about their feelings for a while. And then suddenly they get like four points apiece the next night. That's what I'm hoping for, really. Hey, could happen. We don't yeah. know what they talk about behind closed doors. We have no idea. I bet it's really touching. Yeah. Lots of, lots of tears and hugs. <laughs> I, I can see yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, I think I think one person that needs some hugs uh, on the Oilers is Jack Campbell, right? He's, he's getting the full Oilers media experience like 10 games <laughs> into his first season there. Yeah, it's it's really funny that you should say that because that's that's definitely what I was going to talk about today is the Oilers goaltending. It, it's almost like you knew that, but you actually didn't. So well done. <laughs> Brand new topic we've never <laughs> talked about before. Yeah, I suppose you could have seen it coming. But yeah, obviously Campbell, uh, he's, he's even acknowledged that he needs to be better. He knows he can be better. Uh, I believe he can be better. I don't know if I would say I know, but I believe he can be better. (laughs) He says he knows he can be better and he has not played his best. Um, If you look at the two goaltenders for the Oilers, if you look at their stats, it tells an interesting story where Campbell's 4.2 goals against uh, 874 save percentage and Skinner's 2.1 goals against and 944 save percentage, which is actually like fourth in the league right now. So clearly Campbell has uh, places to go. He has like, he, he <laughs> Ooh, has that was a nice way to phrase that. <laughs> Very vague. He has a, uh, a higher standard that can be met. They're like, there's obviously impro- room for improvement there. What's really interesting though, is if you look at the games, uh, Skinner is two and two and Campbell is five and three. Now, Obviously, a game is not fully decided by a goalie, although we've talked about the fact that it is heavily decided by a goalie, 
particularly in the playoffs, but in the regular season too. Obviously, if you don't have a goalie in your net, <laughs> that's going to make a difference. <laughs> mm-hmm. But uh, there's going to be a lot of factors here. There's harder teams uh, that maybe Skinner was facing the harder teams. Maybe Campbell was facing the easier teams. But it also just seems like the Oilers – Again, with thinking about that whole confidence and having fun thing, maybe they just have a bit more confidence with Campbell and maybe they're losing that more recently. (laughs) But, you know, they're not trying too hard. They're not gripping the stick too tight. They're having fun. They're shooting. They're scoring lots of goals. Those are high-scoring games, obviously, based on Campbell's stats, but they're winning the games, right? And as much as... We like to joke about the Oilers, how their whole strategy is winning like, you know, 60, Track 70 me. games by 10, 9. Yep. <laughs> um, that it works for the Oilers. So if they can do that, then who cares how bad Campbell's stats look as long as he can win the games. Um, when they lose the 5-2 game, however, um, you know, that that's a problem. That's that's not the Oilers style of play. <laughs> Yeah, so, I it, I've just quickly, I find it interesting about the record thing and, and Skinner's stats being so much better because he's also been like Campbell's been pulled a couple times. Mm-hmm. And one of the times was the first game against Calgary. And then Calgary still ended up winning the game. But I think Skinner got a shutout through the rest of the game and Calgary was absolutely peppering him and he was rock solid. And then he takes the L on that. Right. So of like, course, yeah, that's definitely yeah, a factor so, uh, as well. The, the win loss record is usually a good indicator, but in this case it might not be the best one, especially when Skinner's save percentage and everything looks so good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, obviously that's going to be a factor too, uh, that Skinner is uh, jumping in for Campbell in some of these, uh, missteps early on in the game (laughs) Um, but yeah it's interesting to me I'm I'm hoping the Oilers can um, build a little more confidence in themselves with Skinner starting Um, you know have a little bit more fun with those games and maybe try a little bit harder (laughs) so that uh, you know poor Skinner doesn't look so bad but again yeah you're right uh, being pulled uh, or coming in to replace Campbell being pulled uh, would be a factor in that as well so all this to say that Campbell is winning games his stats don't look great so there is room for improvement but he is winning games and Skinner's stats are looking good so I have, uh, as you kind of joked, we've talked about Oilers goaltending a lot over the years. I have a little more faith in Oilers goaltending, um, you know, than than I have in in years past. Especially since this is, uh, you know, Campbell's first year with the team. He came in in the off season. He's just starting uh, with a new team. That takes some adjustment, anyways. So the fact that he's five three and zero in that sort of adjustment period is pretty impressive to begin with. Again, his stats say he's not very good at at doing anything other than somehow winning. Um, (laughs) But, but I I think a little bit of that is to be expected. So I do expect his stats to uh, improve. Um, I do expect him to play a little bit better than he has. And, and I do expect the Oilers to rely on both these goaltenders and, uh, and see some good goaltending for this team for, you know, first time in a long time. <laughs> well, I hope not. But, <laughs> and I can't remember for the life of me if I said this on the podcast or just to you in the off season. but I was questioning whether or why the Oilers wouldn't just try 
Stuart Skinner as a starter or like in a platoon because I thought he had what it took in my limited viewings of him. Mm-hmm. And it might be a little premature, but I think I'm on the right track. I think, I mean, it, they still probably needed to get a goalie and yeah, I, like Campbell, they're not like paying too drastically for Campbell or anything, but if Skinner's looking that good already, no, maybe throw him a few more starts and see what happens. It's never a bad thing to have a good cheap goalie on your roster. Yeah, I I, I think we did talk about this on the podcast, and I I agree to an extent. I I think Skinner should be given a few more starts um, because without that, he's never gonna develop. Um, but at the same time, yeah, we we did need another goalie. There needs, I, I think Skinner's ready for sort of a 1A, 1B situation almost, but he's not going to like to throw him into, okay, you're starting uh, 50 games this year. Like that, yeah. that, that's not a good way to develop uh, an up and coming goalie, no matter how good he looks, which he does. Uh, so I, I think they're doing the right thing. Um, yeah, Campbell's obviously had a larger majority of the starts so far. Um but I think, again, that's probably to get him adjusted, to give him that experience with the Oilers, get that sort of rust off his shoulders, get that adjustment period out of the way. Um, I do think Skinner will probably start a few more um, going forward, or at least he should. I, I guess I can't say I think he will because I have no insight into the, <laughs> the coaching decisions there. But yeah. I, I'm hoping he'll get a few more starts now uh, comparatively and it'll start to look more like a 1A, 1B situation. Yeah, that's a good point considering I often rag on the Oilers for calling people up too fast and jamming them in the lineup <laughs> and hoping they play well. You know, the one time they're being patient, I'm like, hey, you should just, you should play this guy more. So it's, you know, good point. I, maybe they're doing the exact thing they should be for once. Uh, for once. <laughs> All right, I guess we should probably predict what our teams are going to do. Uh, it turns out they are both going on an Eastern, uh, the Eastern United States road trip and playing just the good teams <laughs> out there. Uh, and it's not, it's not going to look good, is it, Stu? It looks, it's not. No, we're gonna we're gonna have really bad predictions, and then they're just gonna sweep those trips or something, is what I'm assuming. Uh, yeah. Although now that you remind me at the road trip, I've just added a couple wins to the, my flames prediction. Cause they need that road trip. <laughs> they need the chemistry. Yeah. Well, no, that's, they, they build the chemistry during the trip. So it'll just be mediocre. Yeah. Right? Well, they'll, yeah. they'll hit Start their stride be... towards the end. I'm thinking. Yeah. There we go. So, uh, what do you, I guess we were talking about the flames. So what do you think for the new chemistry building boys? What kind of record are they going to get? Uh, it, it does not look good. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they're gonna hit their stride, but man, is it bad? Yeah, after adding two extra wins due to the whole chemistry being built thing, I now have them at 500. I think they're gonna get six out of 12 uh, of their games left in November. Uh, I guess we should also point out they're so far 0 and 2 in November, so the remaining 12. Mm-hmm. I think they're going to get six out of 12. So I think they're going to get about 500, which, uh, you know, a hard road trip isn't a bad thing. Yeah, could be worse. Um, 
Well, I, I put them one point worse, actually. I put them at five, six, and one. Oh, uh, okay. We're doing OT losses now, aren't well, we? <laughs> I, I figured I'd throw it in for some spice just preemptively because I on one of these on one of these games, they're definitely gonna grind it out to overtime. Probably more than one, but I didn't want to get too crazy with my predictions. So uh yeah, I have I have them at five, six, and one. So we're thinking along the same lines here. Um how about the Oilers, Stu? How are you feeling about that? Uh, yeah, it's it's pretty much the same teams. Uh, <laughs> it's pretty much the same ugliness. Um, I did have them because they have uh, so they have eleven games left in the month. So far in November, they're one, two, and zero. Oh, so they had a slight edge <laughs> uh, going into November so far over the Flames, but not a great one. But yeah, so they have eleven games left. Um, I have them also winning six, so slightly over five hundred, only because they have less games. I guess <laughs> <laughs> that it's a higher percentage. But uh, yeah, it it does not look very easy. So it's it's going to be a slog through most of those games. I I think quite a few of these games are going to be close, which for the Oilers is not great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> But it makes me feel better to think we didn't get decimated at least. <laughs> How do you think the others are going to do? Um, worse than you. Um, <laughs> I, I bet high on them to start the season and nailed that one. And now we're going low because they've started a little skid here. They've lost their last two and they didn't look particularly good doing it. And I said the Oilers are a streaky team. Mm -hmm. So I think they'll probably manage to string together a few more losses before they get it back together out there in the East. So I have them at four and seven in those 11 games. You know, not really basing this on anything besides disliking the Oilers and a tough road trip. Yeah, no, that is fair. Now it is time for Sellies and Scorn. Uh, I'll go first this time. I feel like I always throw it to you. I try to remember which I do so to try and mix it up, but I'm pretty sure I just like tell you to go first every single time. <laughs> I got it this time, Stu. Don't you worry. All right, good. I will continue to find mine. <laughs> <laughs> All right, just out yourself there. That's fine. I kid, I kid. Of course I'm prepared. Yeah, totally. I see you looking down there. What are you looking at? <laughs> My notes, uh, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Not not in digital form. Um, I'm going to go my scorn. There was an obvious one with the Boston Bruins, but I just didn't really feel like covering all that because it's dominating everything. And you can figure it out for yourself. Have fun with that and get a lot more takes than us to hear about it. So uh, I'm going to go with a different one. And that's Johnny and Columbus right now. Um, <laughs> just just a disclaimer. I'm not I don't hate Johnny. I think we went over this earlier. He made a decision for his family. I'm fine with that. Yes, obviously, I miss having him on the team, and I wish he would have signed here, et cetera, et cetera, but I'm not wishing him ill luck or anything like that. But he went to Columbus, and everyone was like, oh, my goodness, look at Columbus getting Johnny Gaudreau. Wow, they're going to be so much better. You know, they're still not going to be great, but they scored a huge free agent, and he's really good. And also they signed Eric Branson for a lot of money for some reason, because he looked okay in Calgary. So they're going to the moon. And 
I was just scrolling through the standings today and it took a long time for me to get to Columbus because they are dead last in the league. They are three and nine. They are not even close to having a better record because their goal differential is minus 25 already in the season. Um, Johnny's doing all right. He's got nine points in 11 games, but it doesn't really matter when your team is absolute garbage to start the year. So, um, that's that's a start that makes it seem like playoffs are more or less out of the question already. You know, we've seen crazier with St. Louis coming back to win the cup and stuff, but it's already a super tough division for Columbus and uh and a record like that at this point is as close to a death sentence as you can get. So I guess hey Johnny, like that's great. I hope you really like your family. I hope that this decision was worth it in that regard because you are not getting a sniff of hockey success while you are in Columbus. And, you know, the Flames record isn't super rosy right now or anything, but it just looks like this is already a wash season for Columbus. Um, You know, I wish happiness to Johnny Gaudreau. Maybe not so much on the ice. This is kind of, you know, (laughs) you, you left Calgary and went somewhere where everyone was like, "Mm, that's not going to work out so hot and it's not working out so hot. So, you know, Johnny, it's, uh, it was great having you in Calgary, but this is your new life now. I, I hope you are enjoying it because this is kind of what it's going to look like from now on. Hey man, he signed a long-term deal. He, who cares if this season's a wash, he is in it for the long haul. Columbus (laughs) is going to turn themselves around. I can't say any of that with a straight face, but (laughs) they're such a successful franchise on a whole, right? Oh yeah, Uh, of course. Yeah. It's just totally a minor dip in their long, long history of, uh, many championships. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. Oh boy. That's too bad. I like Johnny, but you know. It's Columbus. What are you going to do, man? You chose it. <laughs> well, uh, I'm going to start with my celly. Uh, my celly is, believe it or not, for the Edmonton Police Department, or rather, more accurately, whoever writes for their Twitter on the Edmonton Police Department's Twitter account. Uh, they had a amusing tweet uh, the other day. Uh, when sort of Edmonton first got their big batch of snow, they said, your vehicle is not as skilled on ice as Connor McDavid. Your tires are not skates. You cannot speed down a wintry road and expect your vehicle to make a hockey stop. And then, of course, advised everyone to drive according to the road conditions. Uh, I thought that was a good lighthearted way to remind um stubborn Albertan drivers who seem to always just love that first snowfall and really push themselves as much as they possibly can. Uh, I guess maybe this should have been my scorn on those, but uh, (laughs) well done Edmonton police for, you know, making that fun and, you know, hopefully people pay attention to it because it is kind of fun and we're talking about it, but yeah. Everyone loves a good reference and to see that, you know, public sector workers or like police officers or anyone like that are real humans. Also in that vein, if you live in Calgary and you go anywhere near downtown, chances are you've seen the traffic signs that uh, like the advising traffic signs that just have random messages on them. 
um, downtown. They often have flames related ones and they're actually quite funny. There's like drive defensively. What would Daryl want you to do? And like <laughs> stuff like that. I can't remember all of them off the top of my head. Most of them have to do with Daryl and they're genuinely pretty funny. So yeah, it's, it's fun when, uh, when cities and associations and whatever you want to call them, police departments, places like that have fun like that. Mm-hmm. Um, for my Sally, I got a I got a few to throw out quickly. Uh, I got my Ghost Pirates hat in the mail. Yeah, I'm so happy, and uh, I'm not even going to say how much it cost because it came from the <laughs> United States and took like two months. So I think you can understand that it was it was an ordeal. But it's here now, and it looks good. And I'll just try to forget how much that cost me. And it's it's great. I recommend highly recommend Ghost Pirates merchandise. Um, <laughs> go Ghost Pirates! Send me free merch for the advertisement. Is that how that works? That works. We're famous enough it, for that, right? It is if more than four people were listening. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and also, Alexander Ovechkin. Uh, this kind of slipped under my radar. Unsurprisingly, I don't have a very wide radar, but Ovechkin <laughs> set the record in the NHL with most goals for a player in a single franchise with 787 goals, obviously all of them he's scored with Washington, which is crazy. And even crazier when you think about who he just passed to hit that mark. Do you have a guess too? Have you seen the, have you seen? Uh, I, I have seen this. So uh, my guess would be, would be tainted. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Well, he did pass Gordy Howe. Which is wild, considering just how long Gordy Howe played, um, and he he has beaten names like Lemieux and Sackick and Iserman. Like Ovi's at the top, so I think we've said this before. Being able to watch this guy, um, you know, he's he's one of those players that people in twenty or thirty years or whatever will look back and be like, "Wow, it would have been great to watch that guy." in his era right and we're Mm -hmm. the ones that have gotten to watch him in his era and he's crazy and we need to appreciate it more so yeah celebration to alexander ovechkin for that and just my last one is the only thing i'm going to say on the bruins thing um bruins signed a player that got drafted and it was found out that he did some absolutely heinous bullying um against a kid when they were 14 and that's been covered at length. And today the Bruins signed him or not today, pardon me, but the Bruins signed him this week and everyone's in an uproar because that kid has not, he's not made up for what he's done in any way. And it's just terrible all around. And the Bruins should not have signed him, even though he's playing well, it's just one of those things where it's like, what kind of a chance should this guy get with what he's done? But the one thing that's heartening is to see how the Bruins players are standing up against it because apparently the coach mm-hmm. didn't know, the players didn't know, the league didn't know. The only person that knew the Bruins were signing this guy was the Bruins GM. And even he was like, ah, this might be a mistake. It's like, well, then if it's a mistake, don't do it. Like, no, duh. And you didn't even tell anyone. But I've appreciated the players standing up and saying, nobody on the team likes this. We are not for this. This kid shouldn't be anywhere near a team. You know, variations on that. The players are standing and various players are on the Bruins are saying, you know, we don't like this. We're not a fan of this. And 
I think one of the problems in hockey for a long time has been players just being like, oh, yeah, what the organization does, they do whatever, you know, it's we're just players. But them actually taking a stand on something that matters is really nice to see. And I hope that it it's resounding. I hope that the right people are hearing that the players aren't comfortable with this and they shouldn't be. And that's a really good thing to hear. So props to the Bruins players for actually speaking up on something they should be. Yeah, I totally agree. I think we've talked plenty of times before about hockey players and their uh, unwillingness to not toe the line. <laughs> it was an awkward way of phrasing that, but <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, they're, they're very much taught from a very, very, very young age to be stoic, you know, talk about how you gave it 110% and four checked hard and that's <laughs> it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I thought it was really good to see players talk about something that could potentially get them in trouble with their current organization. Um, but not only that, but stand up for something that they believe is important. Uh, for a second there, I thought you were going to sell Gary Bettman on even standing up against this, but I noticed you just skirted around that. Sally <laughs> uh, and Gary Bettman seems a bit much. <laughs> well, my scorn uh, is for, I guess, in a way, Gary Bettman is for the league as a whole, is for the NHL. Um, and the reason is there was a, a report that came out recently that is – very, very, I don't know, likely not to happen. But the report is that Ryan Reynolds is very interested in purchasing the Ottawa Senators. And so it's funny that you made a joke about Elon Musk buying the <laughs> Ottawa Senators because that sounds terrifying. But to me, Ryan Reynolds purchasing anything is already like I'm more interested in whatever that is already. Yep. So if he purchased the Ottawa Senators, that would do amazing things for that team, for hockey, for the NHL. And the reason this is a scorn is because how has this not happened yet? Like Ryan Reynolds <laughs> said he was very, very interested like three days ago. Bettman should be on the horn with him already being like – well, Ottawa's actually kind of expensive, but hey, I could sell you Phoenix for like $38. <laughs> oh, man, like, I didn't think of that. Guy, That's a great yeah, idea. Right? Like the guy wants an NHL team. I don't think Brian Reynolds is particularly fond of the Ottawa Senators. I don't know. Maybe he is, but he probably just thought like, well, that's the – you know, one that's the owner has passed away. They're trying to find new ownership, so it makes the most sense. But like I think – Reynolds based on what he's done with Wrexham for those who don't know he's bought a uh, a football team uh, and by football I mean the one where you kick with your feet <laughs> I don't even know what league they're in but anyway he bought this team um, and they're having tons of fun with it so I don't like I feel like Phoenix is the perfect story I, I can't even call them Phoenix that's not even their name it the yeah. Arizona Coyotes sorry that's how great Phoenix is we don't even know what their name is <laughs> I feel like that's like the exact parallel for Wrexham. This is a perfect setup for Ryan Reynolds to save the Arizona Coyotes. Because if anybody could, I don't know why it's Ryan Reynolds. 
It's not the perfect parallel because I think Wrexham had an actual history and like a long, you know, okay, yeah, tradition yeah. of winning way long ago. That doesn't really fit the bill, but I like where you're going. I like that a lot. Well, like Arizona came from Winnipeg. They had history. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's a good End try. of sentence. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm totally there. And I've heard a lot of reports like debunking it and like, this is why Ryan Reynolds could never buy the Ottawa Senators and stuff. And true, he wouldn't just be the sole owner because I'm pretty yeah, sure he's he... not a multi-billionaire or anything, but it would be fun to see him in an ownership group and something like that. And you're right. Arizona Coyotes, well, they can't be worth anything. So, you know, right. it, uh, get him in there. I, I really like that. Just pivot away. Let's let's get this happening. I really want to watch the the Wrexham. I I think they have a documentary about that. that yeah, welcome that, to Wrexham. Yeah, that sounds entertaining. It is on my list to uh, legally watch in a very legal manner, legally. <laughs> so I'm I'm totally with you on that one. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Battle of Alberta podcast. You can go back and listen to old episodes. I don't know why you would because they'd be out of date, but maybe you just like our voices that much. Uh, you can find them anywhere you listen to podcasts or on our website at www.thebattleofalbertapodcast.com. We'll be back in an undetermined amount of days to do another episode. So we thank you for listening. Uh, whenever they pop up, it means a lot to us and we have a lot of fun doing this. So catch you in the next episode, everybody. Yeah.